0: changing you know our families and our students want programming to return in full force after the last two and a half plus years Um, but I have staff who don't want to work that way anymore
1: Hello and a warm collisions. Welcome to my friend and special guest today, Miss Erin Corbett. How are you doing, Erin?
0: I'm good, Tyler. How are you?
1: I am fabulous. So good to come on. So good to catch up. Not, you and I have known each other off and on for years. And as Calgary does, it always conspires that we bumped into each other at an event at, uh, at Fuck Up Nights, I believe, actually, is where I went yes, to. You, how appropriate. Awesome. Yes, yeah. where I was sharing my deepest, darkest. So um, <laughs> I just I actually just put an episode out with uh, Amendo Ovechi, one of the founders of Fuck Up Nights, actually, kind of their theory and why they brought it to town. They've sold out 17 events of like 250 people per event since they wow. started.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Calgary
1: loves like I love taking the shine off. Oh, entre- entrepreneurship is awesome and life is easy and actually putting it under the light of like <laughs> no, it's super messy and humans <laughs> fall down a lot. <laughs> and that's that's okay. Um let's dive right into it. Head of school and CEO. I want to, I, I will, I will unpack this, the difference or the similarities between those two terms, but head of school and CEO at West Island College, Calgary. So for anyone who's got their head in the sand, maybe, uh, doesn't know about West Island College or WIC, I think is as it's affectionately, is it okay? Can I use an acronym? Do we yeah, know each other absolutely. well enough? So I yeah. Can use an acronym? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Perfect. We're I friends. Want to yeah. Assumed, assumed rapport. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about like, what is West Island College all about? And then let's get into this conversation about education in Alberta and what, what things are really, what's really going on here. Yeah.
0: So West Island, college is an independent school in Calgary um, we have we have students uh, seven through 12 and it was actually a school that was founded in Montreal originally so it came to Alberta uh, 40 years ago as a French school and um, was going to be opened at Edmonton but they quickly realized Edmonton wasn't interested in a French school and so they came to Calgary and um, they operated for a number of years just as a French school and then became a um, both programs. So we still have a French immersion stream for students, seven through 12. And then we have our English stream seven through 12. And historically, WIC is known as a university prep school. Um, We have high academic standards, but we also have incredibly diverse programming. And one of the things that has always drawn me to WIC and that I love about WIC is it's sort of parallel to the Calgary narrative, which is a really sort of entrepreneurial minded school, a school that tries to think outside of the box and and do dynamic, responsive programming for its students and give lots of student voice and student choice um, in, the, in the grade school uh, sphere. And uh, so it's, it's a fun place to be. The kids here are amazing. The families are amazing. The staff is amazing. Some of our teachers have been here for almost uh, our longest uh, retirement was just this year at 34 years. We had two people retire after 34 years here. So... There's a lot of loyalty to the WIC brand, which is great, and uh, this is my second year, so I'm still a pretty new new member of this terrific community.
1: The your predecessor, how long were they in the position for?
0: We had a little bit of turnover in leadership over okay. the last few okay. years, so I am I'm the third. Head in the last sort of four years, five years. Okay, okay. So, So
1: And I do appreciate it still. It's an organization and sometimes you go through change, maybe not always at the pace you want. I get it. Yeah, but before
0: that, the head of school um, was here for almost 10 years. And before that, it was the founding head of school. So-
1: and I'm Chakra. just kind of, as everyone can clearly see, we didn't prep this question. I just asked yeah. it off the cuff. No,
0: it's good. And, it's and, all good. No secrets uh, here.
1: I, I assume, <laughs> which, I, which I do appreciate. <laughs> and I know you well enough to know that. Uh, but I do appreciate And these these are these are storied organizations with deep yeah. histories and leadership in a, in a place, in a, in any business or any organization called an organization like that is not to be taken lightly.
0: <laughs> well, in <and laughs> like and you, any did other you move, business. Did you
1: move back? You moved back to take this role. You were in Toronto for I me, did. Right?
0: Yeah. I, I'm a born and raised Calgarian, um, but I moved to Toronto. Uh, to take another headship at a terrific school out there in uh, Riverdale and then when Wick came up it was a no-brainer for me to come home first of all because I love Calgary and um, to work at this terrific school which I always I always wanted to work at this is sort of my dream gig which which is pretty cool
1: that is amazing well we were sad to see you go and I was very happy when I bumped into you to realize that you yes. you, were, you were back in town uh, headship head of school and CEO is that yeah. that feels very deliberate
0: yeah, not all schools do that. Okay. Um, typically, independent schools have their head of school. Um, WIC has always had head of school and CEO, certainly in the in the last in the recent um, in their recent history. And the the difference is, as an as an independent school in Alberta, we are also required to be a registered charity and a not for profit. And so okay. we have the West Island College Society of Alberta, and then we have West Island College School. And so I'm head of West Island College School, which oversees all of the academic programming, student care, well-being, health safety. And then I'm CEO of the West Island College Society. Um, And we are run by a board of directors and they oversee all of the governance of the, the charitable society. So they're my boss and I report to them. And then the rest of the school reports to me as head of school.
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense. Thank you for breaking that. It's just yeah. one of the things that it's, you can easily just skip over it and go, yeah, just assume what what you think what you think it means. <clears throat> how many how many students? How big? Oh, we What's, have six
0: hundred twenty five students. Six
1: hundred twenty five, and it's from seven to twelve. Does it yeah. start at seven? Okay, yeah,
0: mm. starts at seven. Students,
1: oh, interesting. And as an in ind- let's just do a quick because yeah. I've independent school. There's charter school. There's public school. There's private school. Is an in independent and private are those synonyms or no?
0: They are. In Alberta, they are. Um, we, just, we don't it, like
1: that term anymore. We don't school. really love You're that. You're shaking term. your head. No, I can tell. <laughs> I can see the video and people can hear the audio, but you can, yeah. you can no, hear they the hesitation don't, when I threw that word out there.
0: <laughs> we don't love that term, mostly because it's been politicized.
1: Uh, yes, for obvious right? reasons. Right. And
0: so private school is evil. And um, <laughs> we uh,
1: Yes. We
0: we what's wonderful about the Alberta education system, in in our opinion, and I say our as educators in the province. Um, is that we have and celebrate school choice. Alberta, since the 80s, has believed from a government point of view that funding should follow the child. And so there's ample choice for families in Alberta, from public school to separate school system, charter schools that continue to open um, throughout the province, but especially here in Calgary. And then we have our independent schools. Private schools in other provinces are often termed private schools because in other provinces, you can have for-profit schools like they do in the States. And you can't do that in Alberta
1: right now. Okay. That changes things significantly in terms of the thought process and how things are run. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. So as an independent school that is a not-for-profit, there's there's no confusion that can sometimes happen when you refer to... Private, but if I was to be honest, I think we just—it's like a dirty little word. Okay, and, um, I got it. I like it, and so mm-hmm. we don't—we don't tend to use it.
1: No, but but it, it it's different, which I do appreciate. Yeah. It's not just yeah. oh, we're going to rebrand something, but it's still no. the same thing underneath.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to call in- it
1: something else, and you peel back the layers, you're like that's the same thing. That's everyone. right,
0: and it is. It is really a synonym. We are a private school. There's yes. you know,
1: there's no. But in the context of for profit versus not for profit, that's, that's right. a specific Alberta narrative. Yeah. I think that makes that's a right. huge that makes a huge difference. It changes yeah. your your motivations, your drivers. Your thing. people are looking at different targets, right? Yeah, charter school that's- versus independent. What's Charter is
0: uh, fully funded by Alberta okay. government. Okay. So um, and independent schools get 80% funding for elementary school students, and then there's a slightly different funding model for junior senior school students. Um, okay. But we get partial funding, basically at the end of the day, which which averages around 80%.
1: Okay, but a charter school, like so, I've got public school which is funded. I've got the, a charter school which is still funded, and then when I move into independent, that's where it's a little more of a pay-to-play model. But there still is government right. funding involved. There is. But ultimately, you're still a not-for-profit, so you have a whole. Okay, I understand. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so thank, we
0: have the. Th- thank you. All the it's why I do these us. shows because
1: I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know these things at all. Mm. Yeah. And from a system wide perspective, you've worked in other provinces. Obviously, you've been involved in as an educator for I think your whole your entire career. Right, this has been your this has been what you do.
0: No, I used to. Um, originally, I was an opera singer and um, oh my
1: god i knew that i totally forgot about that i I will ask you to sing i wasn't planning on it but now that you've reminded me that's (laughs) right i forget your whole story she's like shut me right down (laughs) i know and i can get shut down i appreciate
0: you can ask of course i did
1: i did and you've worked all over europe that's right i didn't know well
0: i i I, yeah i mean that's a stretch i clawed my way to the middle i'm Um, a
1: marketer come on i'm gonna make a story we're gonna tell a story we need to make it good that's what my mom always (laughs) taught me
0: (laughs) and then um yeah, so I, I, I was working for a while and then quickly realized that uh, I wasn't, that wasn't probably going to be the, uh, the thing for me for lots of different reasons. Okay, cool. And so I moved back to Calgary and I went into fundraising for not for profit. So I was fundraising for Calgary Opera for a number of years, um, WordFest, Hospice Calgary. And uh, while well, I found myself yep. again, And uh, went back to school. As one does. As one does. does, Went back to school, got my ed degree um, in my early 30s, and then started teaching. And uh, moved into the headship really pretty quickly um, once I started my education career.
1: Oh, fantastic, okay. Yeah. I, I forgot about the opera story. I knew, I knew that too, shame on me. There you go. Um, but it's always, you just, just when you think you know someone, you get to remember something you forgot. Uh, so perspective on Alberta versus other provinces. And what we're spinning around here is it's, and you and I joked about this even before we had the episode about kind of why, is it's so easy to buy into the narrative that everything's terrible. The school system is terrible. This is terrible, that's terrible. I choose to think that when you peel back some layers, maybe there's some areas of improvement, but things are often a lot better than the media day-to-day likes to portray, because quote-unquote it sells, it sells papers. But looking at province to province or from your experience, and you've worked in Ontario versus in Alberta, just even those head to head, where does Alberta sit and how do we differ in terms of our model and how things are structured versus kind of what you've seen or you're aware of at, at other parts of the country?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, are, we have uh, government oversight into education in Alberta, which isn't the same in all provinces. So okay. example, in Ontario, you don't have to follow an Ontario curriculum um, if you're an independent school and there's no monitoring of your schools if you're in Ontario. Uh, so there's, there's a lot more um, work that has to be done, I think, by a parent to ensure that they're choosing a school of quality, of um, sustainability, because, again, they can have for-profit schools, um, that there's strength and permanence in the organization that they're choosing to send their child to. Um, Here in Alberta, we do have government oversight, so we're monitored, even as an independent school, by Alberta Education every certain number of years. Um, We are members often of uh, a provincial group called ASCA, the Alberta Independent Schools and Colleges of Alberta, which is an advocacy group and works with government and us. And then a number of us also um, become accredited by other organizing bodies that are typically national or international. So... WIC is accredited by CASE, the Canadian Association of Independent Schools, and they will come in every five years and do a you know, nose-to-tail evaluation of your entire school. You have to do a report, they respond. So there are a lot of, um, and Ontario schools are, are CASE members as well, but we do have that sort of additional level of oversight and um, connection to the province and where the province is going and what... Are the goals of the province, and what do we want to see as a city, and and I think there's something really beautiful about that because these are our young citizens and future future earners and movers and shakers and impactors, and uh, being connected to that to that more provincial and municipal picture um, and being responsible to it, I think is really important because it allows us, yes, in some ways it can be restricting. And I don't dispute that. There were there were great pleasures in Ontario to have no government oversight. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: Which I'll be blunt. Growing up in Quebec and spending a lot of time in Ontario, that feels very different. Like I, Alberta is the entrepreneurial, we don't want oversight, we'll do our yeah. thing. It feels like it's a bit, bit of a flipping the script for me, As yeah. I'm listening to you talk about, you know, the oversimplified stereotypes. If you've got a lot more governmental control, again, Quebec is a different thing. We'll just stick with Ontario. But those feels like those narratives should be different. They should be the exact opposite based on maybe overarching just culture of one province versus the other. So I find that interesting even unto itself.
0: Yeah. And it can, I don't know, again, like I'll repeat myself, but it it can be frustrating. Um, With all things, there's
1: good. And there's all things, there's things we would change. So I get it. I appreciate that.
0: But it's there. And so I, I always, you know, as we were talking about earlier, I mean, it's, you can, it can irritate you and you can complain about it, or you can find a way. To make it work for you, <laughs> and get the stubble. most out of
1: it. Yes. Yeah, I, I I also choose the latter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as, manage as our mutual friend Doug always says: manage the process to the outcome you desire. <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> right. I mean, you can always
1: change all the elements, but you need to manage your way through it. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. In the interests of kids, which is yes. a pretty good, pretty good.
1: I know this. Is a, you said it's such a great word that I, I loved. Uh, impactors versus like, you know, our world and influencers means a whole nother thing. But I love what you said, like young, like the impactors, it's just such a good, that's such a great word. I wrote it down. I'm going to use it in a sentence later today, but I just loved it because some
0: people would wonder why I'm in education when I come up with a word like impactors, but
1: it could be in marketing, you know, we love making, we love making (laughs) shit up. Um, But I really no, but I really appreciate that. And student voice and student choice that was really and it kind of rhymes, which I love already. You're getting you're getting the marketer in me with your taglines. We got lots of bumper stickers and t-shirts already coming out of this episode, Aaron. Aaron said. Yeah. And now a message from one of our valued partners. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern-day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I have formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the us, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of any slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us as well as upcoming events that where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in ending slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference So when you're thinking about you've got that oversight, but you're also being the type of school that you are, you're very connected and clearly you start, you led with that about how important it is to where that child is going, where that future citizen is going to be aligned with what is parents, but parents also trusting you to be the educators that maybe they're not, they're parents. And that's a, that's a complex role unto itself. But we, we we entrust these organizations, meaning your school, to give our kids what they need to be the impactors and, and citizens. So is that part of that dance between, well, this is what the province is mandating, but this is what we're hearing and seeing? Because sometimes, the timeline of change is, is accelerating in our world just period. I only imagine in education, what, what those kids need to know to be impactful in their lives five years from now is very different than it was if we talk about five years ago to today.
0: <laughs> absolutely.
1: How do you balance all that?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think you always need to keep the student at the center of mm. whatever we're doing. So you're absolutely right. I mean, there is, um, there's a lot... First of all, to answer your, your first sort of question, the limitations of, say, a curriculum that in some cases hasn't been updated since 1996 or sometimes yep. in the 80s, um, that's obviously a, – that's a very limiting factor. Okay. So you take that and you program way above it. That's – you know, the bar is low in okay. terms of our curriculum okay. and, I, yep. and that is disappointing, but that is politics and um, – and so – that's an area where you have to make sure that as schools I mean you you have we have to always be thinking ten steps ahead, knowing that thinking ten steps ahead we're still probably thirty steps behind. Yeah, I mean that yeah, the call on schools to change is not new. It's not in the last five years, it's not in the last ten years. We haven't really changed the school model significantly since the beginning of time. <laughs> and so, you know, well, to say that we're out of date in how we do a lot of things is probably an understatement, I think we are. What, what's complex right now is not just, actually, I think the government in influences the least of our, of our problems. I mean, even in, just in the last three years with the impacts that we see, and I, I, I hate to even say it, but the impacts that we see following COVID um, with kids and with adults, um, really shifts what you can do and shifts where your priority needs to be in the moment if you want to be responsive. Um, but also, um, I don't want to lose my my thread here. But but also the even the the Black Lives Matter movement that came during COVID, which again was a flashpoint, not new, mm-hmm. but became a flashpoint issue, has also layered significant complexity into schools. So mm-hmm. I'm left wondering now, in, especially in the last sort of couple of years, where do schools really go? What What do schools look like for kids in a meaningful way moving forward? Because things are changing. You know, our families and our students want programming to return in full force after the last two and a half plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have staff who don't want to work that way anymore? Yeah, yeah and so you know, it's it's a very it's a it's a fascinating part of the work. This is why I love the work, but it's it is a challenge to say wh- what does the school, what does the education sphere look like moving forward? And and I don't know that I know the answer. All I can say is that we have to always hold true to keeping the student at the center and being responsive to them and the world they're going into. So I know I can't program anything that's going to be relevant for a student in grade seven to when they go to university or start their own business or whatever it is that they're going to choose to do six or seven years down the road. I'm going to be way out of date already. So instead, I think our job needs to be, what are the competencies? What are the skills and qualities that we want to develop in these young citizens to be able to respond to whatever it is that they're going to be looking at in Calgary, in Alberta, in Canada, in the world, six, seven years down the road from when they start with us. And that's a, that's a jaw dropping, awe inducing responsibility. <laughs> and
1: um, I feel the weight of it as you're talking.
0: <laughs> and it's such an honor and a privilege, but really I think relies on us to build partnerships. And that's what I love about the, okay. the school system in Calgary in particular, is because parents want to be involved. Um, you know, businesses in Calgary want to connect, they want they they want to work with young people, they want to mentor and and model and coach. And so there's been so many opportunities for us to start to really dig into that space. Um, To ensure that the experience our kids have is relevant and meaningful, but also is addressing, you know, I'm rambling now, but where I started at the beginning, which is addressing some of the challenges that the last couple of years have brought forward, which is our kids are rattled. You know, we know that there's real issues of of mental health and well-being and socialization. Those are all real issues that that we're certainly seeing in some of our students and their, and some of our families and our staff that we also need to be responding to.
1: Ooh. Wow. Okay. The, the, the whiteboard just got filled up with all the things. No, I love it. This no, is don't, what apologize. I do. don't apologize. Don't apologize. I love you it. You give Erin um, a
0: microphone and it's brain dump.
1: <laughs> well, or she could start singing, just saying that's still an option. Let's it's not take it off happen. Oh, wow. So negative. I don't know why, 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 why I, I'm not, I'm not wasn't asking. I was just setting it up there. Like, don't have to say no wasn't like that competency-based learning. Uh, I don't imagine, and again, I'm making my own assumptions, that if I look at a curriculum that was established in the 80s or late 80s or early 90s, um, so little that we do today is relevant to that time frame in, in that way, I'm assuming that's the math and the sciences, and the geography and the humanities and all the subjects I can think about learning when I was in school. And if I picked up some competencies along the way, well, it was kind of like, well, luckily, lucky you caught that nuance and it somehow landed on you as a citizen. And I think of good citizenry, I don't think of how good I am at geography. As yeah. I don't tie those together. And I, I'm yeah. not saying that learning about stuff and things is not important, it absolutely is. But when you think about that curriculum that you're building off of, or that is the stand, that is the baseline. And you know, you talk about being 10 to 30 or how many steps above that you can, or levels above you can get. When you think about competency-based learning and like, well, I've heard, well, we need to teach resilience and we need to teach adaptability and we need to teach all the things because I don't know what the job market's going to want or demand or what the world's even going to look like five years from now. But if I'm resilient, I'll figure it out. If I'm adaptable, I'm resourceful. How much of, cause that can also sound kind of fluffy to some people. Totally.
0: (laughs) And I, that's not what I'm saying.
1: Okay. So Mm. I don't think. (laughs) Correction.
0: Yeah. And thank you for that. I don't, I'm not. I'm not a proponent of teaching kids to be resilient.
1: Oh, I don't oh, even know ooh, okay. what that
0: means. I don't I don't I know what that, that. means. Yeah. Because resilience for me is different than resilience for you. So, what I think when when I talk about competencies, what I'm what I'm referring to is how can we how can we plan tasks whether it's in math class, in history class, in uh, robotics class, how can we plan tasks that that develop the muscles in students to think critically, that allow them to work collaboratively and independently, that teach them the skill of listening to another perspective and not thinking it's inherently wrong because it's not theirs. You know, how can other opinions inform and improve our own? Creating tasks and and spaces within the curriculum that we teach that develop some of those skill sets for the individual. Because they, you know, no individual learns anything the same way. No individual needs to learn all things the same way. That some of us are born with intuition and others are born with analytical abilities and everything in the middle. So we can't there's no one size fit all fits all. And I and I'm not I'm not proposing that we have a competency based curriculum. I'm simply saying that we have a curriculum, we add to that curriculum, and really to respond to the market and and what these children are going to be living in as young adults, we can't adjust the programming to meet that need, but we can start to give them the skills to be able to adapt to it and welcome it and take on the challenge. And I, you know, I, I probably haven't thought this through clearly, and there will be educators that potentially listen to this and they're like, "You are talking nonsense, and I probably am. But I <laughs> it's think beauty this of a is... podcast
1: that we've got time to expand on the nonsense and circle well, back. so and
0: I think that it it's because i don't I don't have a clear sense because i I don't any longer have a clear sense of where we're going as schools anymore, where we mm-hmm. want to be. and because it's shifting, you know the the yeah. grounds are shifting, and our our priority our numbers of priorities are shifting. And and so it's, um, you know, it's, it's important to talk about it and it's important to be able to speak kind of unabashedly about what we're thinking without it necessarily being grounded in research or knowing the answer because I think that these sorts of conversations are what help propel us to some sort of next step and end result. Um, I don't have the answer, but I love talking about it because... If we don't talk about it, we're not going to go anywhere. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, then because the, t- the time is passing either way, right? Yeah. If we're gonna keep our heads down, you said a lot about partnerships, and when I think about from an organizational level, or uh, like whose role is this? It's all—it's kind of all of our role. Not to answer that for you, but when I think about the day to day and the busyness of running a school uh, with you know six hundred and twenty-five you know customers in my language of yep. our clients, because they they show up every day and they expect a certain. And then you've got the parents of those of those of those of those students, whose role is it in, in a school to, to to have these conversations and, and do this thinking. I'm sure you don't have an R&D department that just sits over in classroom down at the end of the hall and just thinks about thinking. And a lot of organizations don't have the bandwidth for that. Is that where partnerships come in or some of the associations that you're part of where you get together and just like hopefully create a safe space where you can share? Because psychological safety is key to even having these kind of conversations openly.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, um, you know, Calgary in particular, I think certainly growing up and here in the 80s and 90s my observations as a child were that it was a competitive city and um to use our favorite word a resilient city yes but it was also a collaborative city you know people could compete with one another but there was a spirit of we're all in this for the greater good whether it was a for you know a a financial greater good or whatever that was, a charitable greater good. I, I really do think that that is at the heart of our city. Um, it's one of the things I love about Calgary. And so when we talk about, yes, the, the, the affiliations that we have through ASCA, through CASE, um, my my friendships and my and my personal networks here in Calgary, I reach out to them all the time to have these sorts of conversations. But we also, as a school, um, work with parents who are in in different industries in Calgary. My board of directors is amazing on this front, too, to say, what are you seeing in your market, in your field, in the province, in the city, that I need to be thinking about as it applies to the world our students are going to be going into? Not only to prepare us as a business moving forward, you need that information for that as well, but also, how can our programming be more responsive? So one of the things that, you know, we decided to start last year when I came in and we're, we're preparing to launch it in January is the notion of a hub, we're calling them WIC hub grants, but um, incre- some incredibly generous donors have, have stepped up to help me build this program where students can apply for funding from the school to initiate a business of their own, to start uh, an initiative that, think will improve the school or the city in general and they document this we match them with a mentor in our parent community or perhaps our teaching community or the broader community in Calgary um, as they work through this project and they and as they document it the project may not work out that's okay Um, it can be shelved and someone else might pick it up and and build on the idea that was initiated in 2022 in 2024. but I love the notion of this because when we talk about partnerships and who do we have these conversations with, and I'll tell you some of the best ideas and the most responsive programming I've ever, I've ever brought into any school I've worked at has come from students.
1: Yeah, that's
0: great. It has great. not come from parents. It has not come from teachers. It has not come from me. It's come from the kids who are living the experience and are really, if you listen to them, incredibly attuned to the world that they are growing up in hmm. and the world that they want to see moving forward, that they want to be a part of and resisting that because I think I've got a, a better idea or because we have to meet these certain expectations is futile because uh, they will fight you every step of the
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about our my student years, yes, I did fight. Him. Yes, and mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, as an independent school, do you, it feels like that, that, that framework also allows you to do something like this. It would maybe be different, very, very different or more challenging or just have different feasibility in a, in a public setup.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a lot less bureaucracy when, yeah. when yeah, you're in an independent school. Um, so there's a lot more freedom and, um, and ability to, to start new things. And if they don't work, it's not a big deal. You just you know, it didn't work. We'll, just, we'll try something different. So yes. And that I, is what I love. There's a number of things I love about being in an independent school system. And that is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, because that isn't certainly isn't the case when you're, when you work for an enormous board that, that oversees all of the schools. Of course, It's a, it's a, it's a totally not, different dynamic.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love the comment about it. it didn't work. Well, maybe it didn't work the way we thought, but we still learned exactly. something from it. Like it, it always exactly. works. It just maybe didn't get us the outcome we had thought it would.
0: Exactly. But and what so did we learn th-
1: from it? All those other competencies you t- you touched on.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. You brought yeah. it full circle for <laughs> Masterful that's host.
1: My, that's my job. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> now, just to bring up singing again. Uh, no, um, <laughs> you talked about Black Lives Matter and talked about just the reality of, it's easy to think about school from a- Maybe it's easy for me to go. Oh, sciences and math and STEM, and we got to build things and run companies. And but we have social realities that are changing. We have social norms. We have social we have pronouns. We have all the things that I didn't have when I was when I was I was in school. Maybe not even that long ago. So, and also we can edit this out afterwards. I just want to give you full license of where I'm going to go with this right now. If yeah. it doesn't feel like it fits, diversity, yeah. equity, inclusion. Uh, sexuality at young ages conversations that are being had in the school system that you know you had your one awkward sex ed you know, teacher moment when you were in grade nine, I remember. And then that was kind of the end of it where now I'm talking to parents and this is a big conversation that's going on and it's weighing parents don't know how to deal with it. I can only imagine as, as educators that the weight of it. And then you've got a bunch of kids in the middle of it all that are just like, what is going on? And I, I, I'm still figuring out who I am. I certainly didn't know who I was when I was 12 or 13 and being put into a position to maybe identify and to learn about topics that are overwhelming for a lot of quote unquote grownups. Talk to me a little bit about the social side of, you know, and I don't want to, because we'll call one education and one not, the other side of the soft realities of all the things that now are showing up in the school system, even more prevalently than they even were probably five years ago.
0: It's a, it's a challenging time for sure. I don't think that, I don't know that our, our students are as overwhelmed as we are. Ah, okay. I think. um, I appreciate that. I think that there is, I mean, I they feel all the feels. It's it's developmentally appropriate. You know, they they are at a stage in their development, however they identify, where they feel all the feels, and they project that in different ways. So, in in lots of ways, our teenagers are no different than they were when you and I were wreaking havoc in our high schools. <laughs> um, they do have a a different burden than we had. I see it as a burden. Okay. But I don't know that they do because it's all they've known. Yeah. And so when it's all you've known, then I, I'm not sure it's as, sometimes I think we overcomplicate it because it is it is a burden for us. And I, when I say burden, I don't mean because it's a bad thing. I just mean, because for me, I sit back and sometimes I think like, I don't know what the hell to do. <laughs> Yeah, this, um, thing we,
1: this thing we get to carry that we're not quite sure what to deal with. When I think yeah. burden, that's the vision I get, I, yeah. I, I right. it's easy to imply yeah. bad. Yeah and, let, they, let, yeah, and I don't mean that. Yeah, and I appreciate that. No, the burden of like, Whoa, to, what do I do with it? I'm not, I don't know myself how to process this information.
0: Exactly, and, and I don't know the right answer. <clears throat> and as wow. leaders and adults, when we're working with children that are struggling or that are trying mm-hmm. to find their way or that are in trouble, you feel a responsibility and you have a responsibility to help them navigate that. And we're certainly in terrain now, as, you know, when we speak about identity, where we're, many of us, if not most of us, are not equipped to, to know how to, to navigate that with someone. So really you just have to be okay with walking alongside them, and then building the capacity in your organizations with expertise that can do a better job. Of, of helping navigate, you know, guidance counselors in schools, as an example, are working very hard. Um, you know, our guidance counselors are terrific on this front because they they do work in this area and they do mm-hmm. more learning in this area um, and they accelerate it because it's what they're hearing uh, when kids come to see them. Right. But yep. from a diversity, equity and inclusion point of view, the other thing that, that's that's tricky to manage is the notion that, you know, there's an impatience for it to be solved, for it to be done, you know, fixed. We want our school to be diverse, inclusive, equitable. um, Tomorrow. Tolerant. Today. Now. Today. (laughs) And so, and there's so many things that our systems, um, let alone the individual, individual schools or businesses um there's so many things that we have to do first to make change meaningful it's easy to throw up a sign on a bathroom that says it's gender neutral but does your culture support gender neutrality and it's easy to say you know we want to have a we'll set a quota we want to have 30 percent um of our student body or our staff um to be people of color in two years' time and this is how we're, how we're going to do it. But does your culture support that so that when people come to you from different um, economic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, are they going to be welcomed and feel a part of your community when they come? And those are really important first steps that I think sometimes we miss in the interest of being able to throw up on social media that we're celebrating DEI. And it doesn't need to be one before the other, but you can't do one without the other.
1: Well, just the and word then quota. Because then it's just shallow. Yeah. Well, just and the it's word quota already is challenged right away. And you've got, yeah. you know, are these KPIs or are these, you know, I had a creative director, who always used to say, like, you can say whatever you want to your audience, but do you have permissibility do they permit you to be this thing you've claimed now to be which yeah. is so much more about culture and where the yeah. cycles are and this need to, to quantify and quote and quota something you can have a quota and not change anyone's belief and that's even more dangerous i, I would say cuz now you're meeting it you're, meeting, you're check is. now it becomes a checkboxing exercise which where i think some of this really falls down where like i'm just going to assume good intentions across the board but when we execute it based on kpis whew, the quant versus qual of this thing is very slippery. Mm.
0: Absolutely. And you can do more damage than good. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the tenuous place that we're in right now is, is navigating the impatience with whatever your context is. Okay. And, Mm. and part of my job is to be very, very, to keep a, a critical eye on our culture so that we are supporting and walking the talk. Um, as we implement different strategies across the board to meet the growing demand from our student body, um, from society, and also because it's just the right thing to do. Um, so it's, again, to, to my earlier comment, like it's fascinating work and there are days where I, I feel like we've made such, we're have we making such progress and there are days I go home and I think, ah, I am missing the mark and um, but that's kind of the nature of this work. You just have to get up the next day and try again and um, it's it's scary a little bit within this particular um, this particular arena because people are scared to make a mistake.
1: Well it, the, 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 it's not very forgiving. Oh. Uh, like as I'm listening to you talk as a, as a, as a leader of an organization that happens to be a school, you have a lot of stakeholders that I would say arguably are even more vested than corporate. Like something doesn't work well at the office. You know, my mom's probably not going to call you, uh, but <laughs> uh, nobody wants that either. So, um, <laughs> anyway, that's another, that's a sidebar. So <laughs> we're still working <laughs> through that. Podcast. I'm still working through, yeah, I'm still working yeah. through that. Uh, Collisions no, of another kind. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Literally. Um, the amount of, uh, oof, Back to psychological safety as a leadership team making these kind of decisions when you've got so many souls, you know, future citizens, current citizens that it's affecting as well as their parents and families that I love what you said. And it's given me a different way to think about it. That This is actually potentially more of a burden for the quote unquote us, the adults in the room than it is for the kids because this is their lived experience. But for us, it's like, whoa, this isn't how I—that wasn't what it was like when I was, you know, those kind of statements that you—I'm sure you hear all the time. Like, yeah, no, but nothing was like what it was like when you were, well, two, three years ago, back to even COVID, and you can't not talk about that and how it shifted so many things, kind of from a social. And you've got a whole generation now that went through that that I can't relate to because I didn't go through that when I was eight or 12 or you know, yeah. 15, 14, 15, or early teens being stuck. And I've, you know, my niece and nephew are both 19 and 21 now. And, uh, they're, you know, my nephew struggled in school and remote classes and just watching the challenges he went through. And geez, you know, cause he still had the belief that my, college, my university experience was supposed to be like this. And it wasn't yeah. like that at all. And, you know, and he was 18, f- rewind five years ago and put him at 12 or 13. Poof, that would have left a significant mark.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you're right, lived I mean, and we're all products of lived experience. Um, so you know, it's uh, it is it's it's fascinating. I, I don't I you know, a great example is um, when we when we talk about um, gender identity and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and having a bit having more fluidity on, on the spectrum than we did when we grew up. Yeah. You know, our, our students do not struggle with pronouns. They do not, and they do not understand why the adults in our building do. mess it up. They don't oh, understand that. I, I like, understand. how hard is it to, to remember that this individual goes by they? It's such a foreign way to use language for some of the adults in our building. You know, you've, mm-hmm. if you've been teaching here for 34 years, that gives you a sense of, of some of the, you know, contexts that some of our staff and faculty have come from, even me um, as a 47 year old, it's like, I have no problem with it. I have zero problem with it. I still screw up. (laughs) And so what, what I have come to learn though, is that within this, our student body, I can't speak to other student bodies, but I think it's the same by and large elsewhere, is that if you are authentic and honest about your intent if you own the moment you make the mistake and work to rectify and you have these conversations as a community more regularly they're they're beautifully welcoming and they want because they want they want this they want a world that is tolerant and mm-hmm. And they want to be good people and they want to go to a school where people feel that they belong. And, um, and so, again, when I go back to the idea that some of the best or back to the notion that some of the best ideas I've had have always come from kids, the best learning I am doing right now is still coming from kids. And it doesn't mean it provides me the answers, but it is giving me an in real time context that helps inform how I'm gonna make certain decisions and what things for our school are gonna be a priority and what things might be on more of like a five-year roadmap. But communicating that out and and sharing that information and welcoming feedback and encouraging dialogue is I think ultimately, as a society, how we're gonna move through this. And I expect a pendulum shift somewhere back into the middle at some
1: point as, as often happens. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think, you know, I talked about flashpoints before. I think, I think we will, um we will re- sort of re-regulate around something that, that will ultimately feel a bit more manageable um, to give us a plan moving forward right now. We're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable because I think in some areas we waited too long to address the elephant in the room.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. And I can only imagine there's, there's, So many different, from different types of schools, which we touched on earlier, to different organizations, Mm -hmm. to provincial, to the different bodies that you're, that you're members of or that you participate in. I imagine this is a pretty hefty divide around, uh, around everything, but this one, this one gets people right back to the fields. It It gets them right in their beliefs and their values. Yes. And, you know, nothing will, nothing will divide like misalignment on values. And I'm sure this one is a, just a... Oof, a bloody red territory of a of, of, of battleground for people defending their views. And then religion comes in and so many yes. other factors come in to, you know, we, we were all raised with a set of filters and changing those filters is hard. It is. Especially if you don't want to. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I, I could, think, Aaron,
1: but I just don't wanna. Yeah,
0: and, and I think that we have to, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm, I might kick myself for saying this, but I, I'm, one of the things I'm most troubled by in society right now is this, I'm right, you're wrong place. There has become no no room for civil discourse or civil debate any longer. It's It's one position or it's the other and they are typically on far, far extremes. It breaks my heart a little bit that this is what my students are looking at for leadership yeah. right now and yeah. looking at as an example of how we overcome our differences is to fight it out and to slander, and to drag people through the mud, and to not talk at all about what we can actually do to make a difference in the world, but it's really just about I'm right and you're wrong. And so this is a great example of there are going to always be differences of opinion in this kind of conversation as it relates to DEI, as it relates to education. Mm -hmm. Um, But working with young people to to be okay that someone has a different opinion than you and for, to allow that different opinion to either strengthen your resolve and your belief system because it has informed how strongly you believe something else or by taking that to help educate your position and maybe it starts to pull you back into a different perspective or it shifts and that, that's such fertile ground for future, the future, <laughs>
1: Well, we have far left the boundaries of the school system at this point of the conversation. Oh, yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Sorry. No, no. And I'm but, not but
1: saying we, that is a bad thing. I'm like, we need we some, re- we need some we remedial. It, remedial. Yes. Okay. Touché. Because Touché. this,
0: I think that, that this is where schools can make the greatest difference. We talk about, you know, mm. do we have enough computer programming and do we have enough robotics? And, you know, our kids aren't in the metaverse yet. That doesn't really matter. They're going to do all those things and and our schools are still going to bring in all those opportunities. But is perhaps our real responsibility when we think about what do schools look like moving forward to ensure that they are developing these skills so that the Calgary, the Alberta, the Canada, the world, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now where these individuals are, are making an impact looks different than it does right now. And that's where I live in hope, because I believe it can be if we're providing spaces in the formative years of their lives that bring that culture to life and not the one that they're seeing all the time in the news and on social media.
1: The fact you're dealing with the timeline. I love the concept of timeline. And because be honest, our world of capitalism has become quarterly results and has become return on shareholder value and a lot of those things, where your stakeholders being your students and your families, do you immediately by default think of it on a 15-year timeline or a 10-year timeline? Like, well, we got to get them to the end of the year and yeah, you need to graduate your grade. But I'm thinking and I'm hoping and maybe I'm just leading the witness here that from a kind of corporately... If even our election cycle, sometimes we think too long to real create long-term change. But you made the comment about we're setting up the 20-year, like if I think about the humans 20 years from now, they're six years old now. <laughs> those, those 20 years, you know, or they're 15 years old and they're going to be in 10 years, they will be 25 or 30 and having a real impact out there at the scale. I love you start with Calgary, then you go part to Canada. Totally. And you build it and you build it out from there. How hard is it? Or is that just part of the way you, you wake up as an educator, thinking about it on a longer term horizon because of the subject that you're working with being a child?
0: I think it's the latter. I think it's it's how I and, and many, if not most of my colleagues, I can't speak for everyone, but I think of people called to the work of education- We need to think on on a broader horizon because I know from myself, my school years had an enormous impact on who I've become as an adult, had an enormous impact on what I ultimately ended up choosing to do as an adult. And and I would never in a million years, nor would anyone else who knew me think that I would have ended (laughs) up in education after my educational journey in grade school, like zero, there are people that must just cringe to think that I am <laughs> leading a generation. I don't, I
1: noticed that bad, but I get future your point. <laughs> citizens. But,
0: um, but I think because of what, what I experienced during those years, I'm better at my work as a result, and so I do, I do recognize the impact of these years. It's not just about teaching grade five or grade eight or social studies or math. It's about the impact you're making on the individual in that moment that that can, not always, but it can have significant impacts on their future and how they approach the world, how they see themselves. It's an, it's an enormous responsibility. And so I think we have to think long-term, mostly as well, because we're gonna screw up. <laughs> we're gonna, We're gonna make mistakes. And so at least if you're thinking long-term, You've got time to fix it the next time.
1: No, the joke of like what speed do it reduces options, but when you've got time on your hands and you can slow down a little bit, like a fail isn't as big and you can correct it and kind of pick it up and keep moving. Like that's a very different mindset than like, oh geez, we yeah. blew it. No, no, we just, we tripped and fell over that thing, but we're thinking on a longer term horizon. So let's take what we learn and make it better, a better next time. So when you think about, and again, I'm only, I'm only assuming that the answer will be positive, but when you think about the future of where we're headed as a province, we'll bring it back to just Alberta and our mm-hmm. education system being unique here in the way that it operates. Are you optimistic? with that balance between what is oversight and what is our school system and the amount of from public to charter that we're giving, like that the future is going to be better, that we are moving in 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 the right direction. And I guess it'd be hard for you to say no at this point of this call, of this yeah. conversation, but like deep down are the things that you're excited about. And, but I guess there are things that you're also worried about. Let's maybe identify the realities in the room.
0: I mean, I, I, I am an inherently optimistic person and I, I feel like there is good that can come out of anything. If you have a group of people that want to find the good. Back to Um, good (laughs) intentions. Yeah. And so am I worried about Alberta? I am a little, um, because it's, it's, I'm not worried about, um, our ability to overcome whatever is thrown in our way. (laughs) I, I think that we will. I don't, I don't love what I see in terms of this sort of, political divide that's that's in place within parties, let alone across mm-hmm. the board of parties. But but I also don't know anything about that world. And yes. so, I you know, I, I I try to put it into a box to say I grew up in this province and we've had lots of ups and downs as a province and we have Continued to come out stronger and continued to show that the citizens, the people of Alberta, the people of Calgary, are so much more than what's happening politically, and um, and we f- we figure it out. And so I, you know, I am optimistic. I I worry because I'm a- around a lot of people that are very worried, and they're smarter than me. And so when people smarter than me are worried, it makes me think I really should probably be worried. <laughs> But um,
1: (laughs) yeah, it is, it is sometimes a leading indicator, sometimes not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, but I, from a school perspective, I don't anticipate there will, there are going to be like going into this election, funding for independent schools, for private schools is going to be a wedge issue. It is every time there's an election. Okay. um, We're already seeing it in the movie theaters. Um, And so it's going to be a wedge issue, and it will come up and we'll continue to, you know, work with our advocacy partner at ASCA and with one another to, you know, promote the benefits of school choice. Um, but I am not worried right now about about losing funding or any of those things. Mostly because it's a bit of what waste of my energy. It's not what my kids <laughs> need me to be worrying about.
1: Yeah. It's not what my it's staff needs need to be. It's definitely not what they're worried about. about. Back to your no, back to your what it disease. Isn't. Like they're not talking about that at yeah. recess.
0: So I have to keep that in mind and keep it measured. Where I spend my energy worrying needs to be needs to have the greatest impact on the kids here. And funding is an issue because it would certainly impact our tuition. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I'm 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 hopeful
1: as as you are Aaron I <laughs> think it's going to be awesome Tyler no, the polarization is a real thing, but it just, it's the, it's the season and flavor we're into right now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just yeah, kind of it, it is. Someone told me the other day, if you go far enough right and you go far enough left, you just, you, you end up touching because it just gets equally yes. extreme and crazy at the, at the borders anyways. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, Aaron, so good chatting with you. You um, too. I, I love the candor and you know, we've known each other for years and this is great too, because this is, I would say this is our official reconnect and I'm really good, it is. really good deep conversation. So I, I love it. So wow. glad you moved back to Calgary. I love the work you do and I love your willingness to just have a good old fashioned conversation with me about this. Thank you. Thanks, so Tyler. An Thanks absolute, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. West Island College. Uh, I used to. I. I, I was. Oh, how do people find you? It's the world we live in. You can Google them. You can go on yes. LinkedIn. You can find them anywhere. I'm not even going to do that. It's so. It's yep. so easy. And if you've lived in Calgary for long, you you know it. I didn't know it was directly from Montreal because I, I know the school. I didn't know they were affiliated. I just kind of forgot over the years. But I appreciate always getting a little bit of the backstory. But Aaron, it's an absolute pleasure having you on today. Keep doing the great work you're doing. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Tyler. Take care.